and welcome to Two Houses, a podcast about two people living with DID. I'm Elle, and I'm here with... You are here with Dimitri. I'm lucky, yay. I like you, Dimitri. I like you too. Great. (laughs) I like you quite a bit. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Yay. Um, So today, we're, we're talking about a pretty serious topic. Yes. We're talking about different kinds of abuse, and we're going to focus on one specifically. But just a very basic overview, there are different types of abuse from the most well-known ones, like physical and sexual abuse. There's also, like, emotional and psychological abuse, religious abuse, neglect, and medical abuse. So, um, there may even be more, but those are the ones I'm aware of. But today... We're focusing on religious abuse because you have some serious experience with that one. Oh, absolutely. So, um, I'd like to hear about it. Alright, so everyone buckle up. Here we go. So, we'll start with the definition of religious abuse, which is the abuse administered under the guise of religion, including harassment or humiliation, which may result in psychological trauma. It's also a misuse of religion for selfish or ideological ends. And one of the things that stood out to me about that definition was the word humiliation. Mm. Um, That was definitely a huge part of religious abuse. And being in that environment is just the feeling of constantly being on the edge of humiliation. Really? Because it just, there's so much so much going on, which I'll get into for sure. But it felt humiliating? <clears throat> yes. Because if you're not doing things that would essentially make you look like you're close with God, then you should feel humiliated. Because what kind of Christian are you? Do you feel like a sinner if you don't do it right? You feel like, not necessarily that you're sinning, but you're not good enough. Uh, You're not working hard enough. So, you know. That's quite a standard to live up to. Oh, yes. So much comes from that. Um, You know, a huge part, so it was interesting, a huge part of our experience came from our father. Mm -hmm. And he was a very devout Christian. That is what he, you know, prided himself in. So... His world involved reading biblical articles, reading the Bible every single day. Um, It was part of a routine that he had. And in there, I think that he took the Bible very literally. Mm. And in his mind, he created it something very intense. Because after we had kind of stepped back from the religion we talked to a close family friend and he was also among the people that we went to church with and we were really good friends with these people and he was saying that the perspective and take that our father had on similar topics that they would talk about wasn't particularly what the rest of the church possibly agreed with But that is what we were raised with. So he was pretty extreme. Yes, he was absolutely extreme. Um, I know that his reaction to what is seen as a sin Mm 
um, something to be humiliated about was an early pregnancy. So, you know, his reaction to that was, I do all this stuff for God, and this is what I get. So because something negative happened in his life... Or perceived as negative. Or perceived as negative. He felt that... He was personally slighted. Yes. Hmm. So, I don't know how much that captures, but that was an aspect of it. It gives me an idea, yeah. Um, Now, the part that affected us the most because of all the things that were happening around in that environment as that it brought up constant shame and constant fear um you know perfectionism is definitely a outcome of this because you have to be perfect it doesn't matter what you say think or do because if it's considered a sin it's known mm. so even your thoughts aren't safe your thoughts are even monitored because you have, you know, this omnipotent being who's, obs- like, you know... Can read your mind. Yes. Just constantly monitoring everything that you're doing. So, you know, you don't... You're on edge all the time because you're trying to not think things. Mm-hmm. Even though it's completely human to think about sex or... You know, uh, what other things would be considered sins? Oh, goodness. I mean, there's so much. There's really. so many things, depending on the person, you know, like the things they would see as sins. And it sounds like your dad would have seen many, many things as sins. Oh, yes. Anything that was like impure mm-hmm. or blasphemy. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't listen to, you know, Eminem specifically. Yeah. The first time we heard Eminem, you know. Shocked. It was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> Although we didn't say, oh, Lord, because that would have been taking the, the name, name in vain. vain. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sure it was like, oh, wow. Or something oh, along gosh. those lines. Yeah. Well, gosh was, te- was definitely not something you said. You can't say gosh? No, because it is too close. Like, people know what it means. Oh. So, oh, my gosh is just as bad as saying, oh, my God. Wow. So, our language was even controlled oh yeah um so yes everything just felt super controlled around us you know we had to be perfect um that is what we took from it Mm -hmm. um so on top of having the trauma from childhood of the sexual abuse this was now on top of it so our anxiety definitely took took off and I mean, I guess my question, and if you don't want to get into it, or even if you don't want to get into it right now, that's fine. But we know that the early sexual abuse caused splits. Yes. And would you say <clears throat> that the religious abuse also caused splits later on? Oh, absolutely. Because there was too much to hold and too much to counteract. Because, you know, in... In being perfect, nothing phases you. So the amount of stress and all these different varieties of things that are just so overwhelming, 
it had to keep splitting to be able to hold it all mm-hmm. to stay functioning and appear as if you've you have this divine light inside of you like you are serious about god you are close to god and people can't take that away from you so when you did have those thoughts about sex or you know anger even i would imagine was a kind of sin um when you had those thoughts what happened in your head oh they would essentially we have a bunch of shards Mm -hmm. um we do have several different types of demons Mm -hmm. um and they all live within portals and the dark forest in our inner world um they're definitely things that are still unprocessed uh and they're non-human alters which i know we've talked about is completely possible and makes sense and in this particular case, they kind of appear as and believe they are demons because it's specific to Christianity and sinning, having sinful thoughts even. Yes. And, you know, it was essentially all of them are secrets. Mm-hmm. Secrets that we didn't share with anybody. Because, you know, how do you tell somebody that because of your sexual abuse as a child... You want to do sexual things that aren't appropriate. Mm-hmm. So that gets sectioned off. You don't talk about it with your family because they're in, they're just awkward about it. You know, the only advice given in regards to that is, you know, abstinence. Mm. So even a natural desire to explore that level and that area of your life... Which certain people could do on our side. Certain people had that comfortability to explore sexuality. But for the main host at that time, that was completely appalling. Yeah. And so it was was scary. Um, I'm sure that anybody who is part of, you know, a religious abuse situation, they could relate to the fact that... You constantly felt like you were having to re-accept Christ into your life. And that's how they word it. Is that you... You're like giving all of yourself to God. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, I will do anything for you. Just let me into heaven. Basically. So every day you would wake <clears throat> up and like your first thought would be prayer or what? It'd be like, what can I do for God today? Oh... Who am I going to help save? Um, who, like, you want to add, like, routines to your day of Bible study. Mm. Um, and are you still a Christian? Mm. Do you still believe in God? That is a constant thing that happens. Because the second you have one of those sinful thoughts and you sort of act on it, you now have to repent and beg for forgiveness. Wow. So, it's a vicious cycle. Absolutely. Um, the begging for forgiveness thing every single day. I mean, I yeah. could see why that would encourage splits. Yes, I mean, you have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, you know, it's very confusing because they're very much like, you know, you don't 
you're not, it's not possible to be perfect, but you have to be perfect. Yeah. So, yes, I have many opinions about religion, but this is our experience. Um, the other thing, oh, stories. In regards to fear, so the type of Christianity that we grew up in was very fire and brimstone. Mm. So it was very intense. And when we were about nine or ten, our father took us to a play. And it was called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. And it was a very intense um, play about a person who thought that they were going to go to heaven, but ended up in hell. And just... It was just like screaming and fire and a person dressed up as the devil running down the aisles. And you were 10? Yes, we were about 9 or 10 years old at this point. Um, And it was to make sure they instilled this fear of burning in hell. Mm. Um, So that was another aspect, was just the whole life and death thing. You know, if you die... Where will you go? Well. And you only have two options in this religion. That's heaven or hell. So much pressure. Um, and you better get it right. I mean, yeah. there's things like the movies Left Behind, which center around a person who thought that they were Christian, thought that they had accepted God in their life, but turns out he wasn't taken with God during the rapture. So wasn't Christian enough. He wasn't Christian enough. And it was because he had done sinful things. He was having an affair or something along those lines. So it was very much like, if you're doing anything wrong, you can't guarantee that you're going to make it to heaven. So the perfectionism comes in because yes. there's, no, there's no way to hide from God, even your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Ah, oh, so much to talk about here. Along the same lines, this is the type of person that, you know, gets created during this time period. This is the type of mentality that gets instilled into people who are in this type of environment. Um, we did a couple of things. So, around 9 or 10... That's when we also started reading this book that was by our favourite Christian artist. It was called The Voice of the Martyrs. And it was all about people who have died in the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So it was horrible stories about people being burned at the stake for saying they believed in God or smuggling Bibles into places and, you know, being shot and, you know, just abused and brutally murdered because of it and our gauge of how devout of a christian we were was would we die for christ and Mm. we would visualize you know a shooter coming into a school and saying do you believe in god and us saying yes and being shot and killed we had written essentially letters that should we die in the name of the lord these were to be read So we wrote them for our parents and we wrote them for our sister and, you know, whoever else. And you were 10 years old? Yes. 
that's really young to be having to deal with any of these enormous topics. And you know, nobody really told us that it was not okay. I believe we wanted to write to people who were in jail, because um, we got a subscription to this uh, sort of magazine thing, it was called The Voice of the Martyrs, so it was a magazine series, and it gave you addresses of where to send mail to people who are being put, who are wrongfully in prison for believing in God. And we wanted to write letters to these people, and our mom was like, no. So maybe she was thinking about it, but mm. she thought that was a little much. Yeah. But we were very offended. Wow. You know. And I know that you attended what essentially comes down to a Jesus camp. Yes, which we eventually learned was a Jesus camp. Mm-hmm. But during the time, it just was something very powerful. And you but wanted also, to go. Yes, it was... But, but we had mm, a few extra splits by this point in time. Mm-hmm. So it was a very interesting thing to look back on. Because we can tell where there were moments of truly being in it. <clears throat> and also moments of being like, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. This is not okay. Um, how do I get out of this one and still look good? You know, how am I playing the part this time? So, uh, I know you wrote down a little bit about what that Jesus camp was about. Yes. All right. So the, the Jesus camp that we were part of no longer exists. Um, it was a thing called acquire the fire and it was by teen ministries or something like that. Teen Mania Ministries. Um, and their motto, this is their motto for their camp, is to provoke a young generation to passionately pursue Jesus Christ and to take his life-giving message to the ends of the earth. And it received a lot of criticism because of its like militaristic symbolism. And um, they compared a lot of how the training because a lot of times people would do this before going on mission trips. So they compared it to militaristic training. Because you were an army for God. And it was a battle cry that we had. You know. And we were to be the warriors. To lead the nation. The next generation of people. And save them all. So we were this icon and beacon of hope. And that is... And, you know, they did all sorts of things. They did concerts. They made it very grand and big and seemed important. And, you know, you would be put in a room that was, like, essentially a solitude place where you were to spend some time with God. You were supposed to, you know, journal or draw or just commune with the Lord and leave, like leave a message on this wall where several other people had left messages of what they want to share from their interaction about God from other people. And we remember being in that room and being very like, this is stupid. Really? Yes. But it also felt good because we were away from everybody. Oh. It was like, alright, I can just chill now. So... Yes, we had found recently some 
like pieces from that um, event and it was very weird I know that Anna had quite a reaction to it because she was one of the primary hosts around that time so like literature <clears throat> you found yes we found like clips of literature from like the pamphlets and just the amount of you know I'm going to die for Christ and I'm going to do anything in my power to save everybody you know it was all over it, mm. you know. So that was that was a, a, a hold on, an awakening. Yes, yeah, so you're supposed to experience a grand awakening. Oh goodness! In that time period, oh. and every time you did one of these, they were like, if anybody is, you know, unsure if they've really accepted Christ in their life, or they need to recommit because they feel like they've you know, gone off the path of righteousness, you know, come down here and pray with us, you know, so they get you all hyped up and a part of this glorious communal moment, so. Wow, and one thing I would ask is, like, it wasn't clear to you until recently that what you went through in this time period was actually abusive. Yes, it's like, you know, we knew that it had affected us. We knew that there were some things that came from it that, you know, played a huge part in our life. Um, But as far as connecting it to the word abuse, that was not something in our vocabulary. So realizing that, you know, this actually was abuse. was kind of... uh, Was it validating? It was validating. Because I was like, okay, so... It wasn't just an unfortunate thing. It wasn't just in our minds and we're just making a big scene about it. It was an actual abusive situation that we were part of. It really sounds like it. It sounds so intense for a child. And that's only one part. That's the second part of it. Something along those lines. Sorry, this topic does get a little jumbled. In talking about it because it does trigger people. So yeah. I'm trying to also stay present at this point in time. That makes a lot of sense. So I'm just going to take a breath and then I'll carry on into the next realm. Alright, so the other area of life that it affected was our education. So because all the Christian families doing it um, our mother decided to do it it was probably influenced by our father but we were to be homeschooled because it would we were about to enter the land of secular teachings so in fifth grade we were removed from the public schools and we were homeschooled and all of our textbooks involved being part of a Christian based scholarly um, books. Were they creationists, basically? Yes, they were creation. Creationist. You've got this. Yeah. <laughs> Say those words for me. Um. For example, the part where they talk about how life was created, you know, that grand old topic. The amount about Darwinism was very much one sentence, and it said that. It was wrong. 
and the real reason why we exist today is because the Lord created the earth in seven days. So a lot of times when things come up we can talk about what we've learned very clearly in terms of religion but as far as the secular side of things which is like you know Darwinism or sex ed or history whatever it is it was all centered around what the religion would allow you to learn and it was kind of in the guise of being just as good as going to public school except you're not going to be learning all these outlandish things so it was a very controlled set of education and you feel like there's holes in your education because of that yes the second we because we went back our mom i think was done homeschooling at this point she was not good at homeschooling in general she was a very impatient person um a lot of our education came from answer cues in the back of the book um in asking any questions about what was going on in you know problem solvings it was very much like why don't you get this i've told you this once or twice you know just move on or you know this just was not good um I forget where I was going with that. Do you feel like there's holes in your education? Ah, yes. So... <laughs> Dissociation. So, absolutely. There were things that people, like, later on in life, we realised they knew more about, and it was something that they had learned in, you know, junior high, or aspects of elementary school that we just didn't get to experience. So we didn't experience junior high. We didn't experience much of anything social so when we did enter back into the public schools which was ninth grade we had only very limited stuff to go off of one because we felt like we legitimately didn't learn anything and we're entering ninth grade expected to know a variety of things Mm. that we just didn't so a lot of it was just trying to learn fast Playing catch-up. Yes. Um, And, you know, because of this education hall, it also affected our social life. Everything that we knew how to communicate about revolved around the Bible. It revolved around, how can I get this person into the church? And Recruiting. Recruiting. That's a great word. Um, Yeah, so... I got this. It's okay. Yeah, there's just a lot there, you know, and when you start talking about these things, so many memories surface. Even in, though I have plenty of notes, it's just like, oh, yes, what else? Um, so, yes, things that were normal for social circles, so people who had literally gone to school together since junior high, entering high school, they were having this experience in their life that was like seen as wrong they were doing things that they shouldn't be doing and we were to try and avoid becoming like them and if you are going to be communicating with them you have to be so perfect like a 
common thing that we got was, why are you always so happy? And it was because you could reply, because of God. And lots of people don't really resonate with that. In yeah. High school. No. You know, our awareness of any type of different anything was very limited because we only saw things as being one way. And if it wasn't that way, it was wrong. That sounds so hard in terms of trying to make friends. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, trend came around a lot when we were like 15 or 16, which was very much when relationships started to take place. And she's a very explorative person. So she would do things that would be considered sinful. Even though they were just normal. Even though they were just normal things. And someone else, I think I believe it was Anna, would be like, no, this is wrong. We can't do this. Now we have to repent and commit our lives back over to God. And it was usually around the fact that a lot of Trin's favourite relationships were considered unequally yoked. Mm, what does that mean? So unequally yoked is basically someone who is not Christian. Someone who is an atheist, specifically. Someone who worships idols. And because they weren't on the same page. And what you believed in is actually the truth. And these people are living in a lie. So you're not good together? Exactly. Not You're going to be dragged down with this person because you're with them. Even though it's just a difference in beliefs. Hmm. A different way that they see life. Um, so yes, we grew up under a lot of pressure to be perfect, to be, you know... Warriors. Warriors, to be rewarded... Um, fighting for something grand and big and when we had reached a point in our life where that just could not sustain itself we left and we have learned so much since we left we don't fill as many holes in our education uh, we feel like we have way better perspectives of people and what they go through we learn words like abuse and trauma and you know experience life in a way that was accepting well and in your old life and your old beliefs we would have never ended up together no no absolutely unequally yoked yes and you know let's not get started on being a homosexual yeah that's a sin right that is and, you know, a lot of it was just, ugh. this isn't to be offensive, because I know religion can mean a lot to people, and I know that it can be good for people, but for us specifically, it was not. And we've chosen a different path in our life. But, again, lost where I was going with this. Religion can be good for people. But for you, specifically, it was not great. Does that help at all? No, but that's alright. 
It was still a good, you know, message. It was a good message, but forgot where I was going. That's okay. Was there anything else you wanted to add to this? Because I know that Jesus is important. Oh, yes. So a huge part of our experience during that time period is also when Jesus came about. Now, Jesus originally appeared to our system to not make Anna afraid as Jesus. So she talked to who she thought was Jesus. Yes. When she would pray or ask for guidance, she would go inside internally and pray, which was essentially her talking to Jesus, who she thought was Jesus, and he would be like, you know, it's all right if you don't have anything to share with people. You know, you don't... Do you like having to have something for brag time? which was something our youth group did, and it involved going up on stage, holding a microphone in front of your whole group of youth peers, and saying that you've done something good for Christ. And, you know, any time Anna didn't have something, she felt as if she wasn't doing good enough. And so Jesus... Jesus came out and was like, you know, are you happy with this? Mm. This can be different... Only, I only, you know, speaking in Jesus, he was very much like, you know, I'm only just about love Mm. and acceptance of people. And, you know, that was his message, specifically. Which is trying to level out the amount of stress. And when we back away from the religion... Back to when communication with Jesus went radio static. Radio silent. Silent, yes. <laughs> Thank you. It went radio silent. And then, when the time was right, I think we were about 23 at this point, Jesus reintroduced himself because we were struggling. And he finally was like, I figured out how I can establish communication again. Since the perspective has changed, and our life has changed in a certain way, I'm going to make this a little bit more lighthearted. And instead of Jesus, I'm going to say my name is Jesus. Right. It was sort of a smoother transition than the latter. Yeah. And he really is all about love and acceptance. I mean, I've met him, and he's just such a lovely guy. He tries to look for the good in everybody. That he does. So So out of all this came somebody who has been beneficial to your system and who was Anna's protector for many years. Absolutely. And he's just sort of that internal helper for everybody. Yeah. And... He's one of the splits that we can definitely remember the moment that it happened. I can relate. I know some of those as well. And usually it's a moment of complete distress. Does that relate? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, I'm happy that everyone bared with me while I started to stumble at certain points. 
I think you did a fantastic job. There was a lot to cover, and you were very clear. Well, that's good. You really were, and it's such a hard topic to talk about. Yes, and I don't like dissociating. No, no, it's hard. But I think you did fantastic. I think you covered everything, and you really made it clear how, for you, this religion was abusive. You also made it clear that it's not so for everybody. No. Which is important. But also, this is about you. And for you, this was abuse. Yes. It affected a lot of us. So thank you so much for sharing. Of course. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you.